Hi there and welcome to Building Better Basketball. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach and Volunteer Development Manager at Basketball Australia. I'm really pleased today to welcome along Jordan Liggins for this episode. Jordan was a talented basketball player in her own right with a successful college career as a guard for the Point Loma Sea Lions, seeing her name to the PacWest All-Academic Team as both a freshman and a junior. Jordan though, is probably best known to those of us here in Australia for her work off the court. Jordan has written for The Ringer and is now co-host and senior producer of the Spinsters podcast that whilst talking about the NBA and WNBA does a lot more than that, delving into topics of race, gender and some lighter off-court issues. Specifically relevant for coaches, Jordan held a role with Mojo Sports where she organised and hosted live webinars with parents, coaches and youth sport experts in the height of the pandemic to create content that coaches and parent coaches needed. It's great to have you here with us today, Jordan. I can't wait to get stuck into a few of these questions. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Jordan, can you tell us a bit about your journey in basketball up to where you are now? Yeah, so basketball started for me when I was five years old. Um, My brother played and I tried to copy him in everything. So once I saw he was playing basketball, I had to try it and I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I went on to play in high school. Um, The weirdest brag that I can still say is I was a freshman on varsity. I, I still wear that with a lot of pride. That was a lot of fun. Um, And I was lucky enough to get a basketball scholarship to play in Division Two in San Diego, California for the Point Loma Sea Lions that you reminded me of. Best, worst mascot, probably worse, but it's okay. Um, And, you know, my college career was a lot different than what I had expected, especially coming from high school where you're the top in the city and you are very humbled very quickly as a freshman in college. Um, but it was a growth experience, especially on how to be a captain, how to be a leader, how to be a good teammate. Um, and those are all of the things that I still use today. And now to be able to write about basketball and interview other athletes, I thought I was going to get away from it, but I will never. It's my favorite thing on this earth. I love basketball. And so being able to get paid to talk about it is honestly doesn't seem real. It's so fun. And I pinch myself every day. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, obviously, you talked a little bit there about your um, your college career, Jordan. And obviously, even in um, Australia, March Madness reaches us here. Um, mm-hmm. Wall-to-wall coverage on ESPN and um it's great that it's starting to be the, the male and the female tournament starting to get that coverage. Can you just give us, I guess, the American perspective on March Madness to really help us grasp how kind of big that is and, and what it means to the whole country? It's huge. It is huge. It is something that if you are a basketball player, you dream of playing in um, and I think a lot of people forget that these are kids. This is not the NBA finals or the WNBA finals. These are like 19 year olds on their spring break playing on national television for a national championship. But 
it's a little bit of that nationalism like we were talking about when it's the Olympics. Everybody is just rallying around basketball and they want to see buzzer beaters. They want to see Cinderella stories, the lower ranked seed beat the number one seed, which is happening a lot this year. My bracket is terrible. It's terrible. Um, and, and you're just, you find a new team and you are just their number one fan. That's one school right now is, um, St. Peter's it's they're in New Jersey. They were a 15 seed. No one knew where it was. They didn't know what state the school was even in, but they upset Kentucky, which is a powerhouse, a basketball powerhouse who a lot of people had winning it all. They upset them in the, in the first round. And that's why you love March madness because it is kind of a new season. You have your whole season and you work really hard to get into the tournament, but when it's March, it's an even playing field. Anything can happen on one day that can change your whole life. And especially for going back to these players as being kids, being a national champion is something that you can have with you forever. Regardless, if you go to the NBA, the WNBA, if you go play overseas, having that trophy and having that one shining moment, as we call it in March Madness, will stay with you forever. And these players are going to go on to be doctors and real estate agents and car salesmen, but they can always say they will be a national champion in college. And that's what we're all rooting for. So it's, Hey, we have a family bracket every year. My mom is winning right now. I don't know how she just is so good at picking who's going to be the, the next Cinderella story. So she's winning. I'm definitely towards the bottom, but it's not how you start. It's how you finish. That's what I always say. So I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back and win. <laughs> 24th of March, we're recording this just for anyone that's uh, listening um, at a later date. Java, do you want to put a flag in the ground, Jordan, for who's going to win now? Yes, I have Kansas. I have Kansas winning. Um, not a lot with that. I just went with my heart and I'm like, this is Kansas. And it's also in the family brackets. You got to make sure you pick someone different than what other people are going to pick. So you have a better chance. So my mom has Arizona. So I'm kind of hoping for Arizona to get, get bounced out so I can have better chances. <laughs> Jordan, I, you just reminded me there, you mentioned your mom a couple of times there and you um, wrote a really good article about the role that your mom had played for you when you were a college athlete. Can you just um, tell the, the listeners about the kind of impact your mom had on you when you were playing? Yeah, so my mom, um, she was a cheerleader in high school. My dad was a football player, very cliche. But uh, none of us chose cheerleading <laughs> and she was kind of sad about that. So she would make sure that I was the girliest basketball player on the court. And my family nickname is girly. And she had the matching bows with my jerseys. And I had little knock knocks on the end of my hair that looked like basketballs. And she made sure that I was going to be the cutest basketball player if I chose basketball. Um, and my mom, I can say I've played in hundreds, thousands of games. And she has been at almost every single one of them cheering um, she knows basketball because she watched us play and my dad was my coach. 
Um, and so having that ban for not only in other aspects of my life, but specifically in sports, I always knew I could count on her to bring it back to being about fun, which is especially at a youth level. And even in college, she reminded me like, are you having fun? You're not getting paid for this. Like it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be an activity. And I'm so competitive. I'm like, no mom, we didn't win. Like, it's not going to be fun. But she always did a wonderful job of bringing that back and reminding me why I love basketball and that it's for exercise and that it's for making friends and I'll still be a girly girl, even on the court. So she was always will be and still is my number one fan. And I am her number one fan, too. That's awesome. Um, I like it's great that your dad was your coach as well. A lot of our volunteer coaches at, at this level are, are parents as well. So I'm sure that message will really resonate with them. Um, you, like I touched on in the introduction, um, you had a role um, during the pandemic for a short period of time with Mojo, where you were mm -hmm. um, looking at um, some of the things that uh, coaches need at a community youth sport level. And you touched on a couple there, but what were some of the other things that came out um, during that, that work he did as, as critical for um, coaches at a youth sport level? Yeah, Mojo is an amazing app uh, that is specifically for grassroots coaching and youth sports, the volunteers, the, the parent that's coming off of their full-time job to go coach their kids practice and they don't have time <laughs> and nor will they be a professional coach one day. They are just volunteering their time for their kids and Mojo provides a resource. And I think just talking with the community and talking with the parents they were so grateful that they were thought of um, a lot of the time. It's the elite level coach or the travel team or the, um, you know, we have AAU basketball. Those are the coaches that are typically more uh, catered towards. And so the volunteer coach to be put first was very, very um, loved on. People loved it and it how easy it was to access the curriculum. Uh, what Mojo does is it plans your practice for you. So you do not have to think about a practice plan, which is really hard to do. I, I know growing up when my dad was my coach or my teammates, dad was a coach. They would watch the Lakers one night and come coach the sixth grade girls. And they would try to make us do things that the Lakers were doing. And it's like, no, we don't know how to do that yet. Or they would just say scrimmage, everybody scrimmage for two hours. That's how much we have the gym for. Um, so Mojo does a wonderful job of breaking down the skills that the, the players will need to know to be able to continue this fun activity that they're having well into, you know, as they continue to grow up. But um, the other takeaways that I, I really, you know, took from that experience and talking with the members of the community is that coaches and especially volunteer coaches like they are so passionate and that is what is going to rub off on the kids when you are young and you're in youth sports it should be fun it should be low stakes less pressure um I was a competitive kid I'm still very competitive don't play board games with me I, it's not that fun I want to win everything but I still want to have fun and you still want to um, 
create an environment where kids are able to express themselves, make teammates that are going to be friends for life, um, have coaches that are going to have a big impact. And that's what I think Mojo did a wonderful job at. And just hearing the community kind of say that back was, was awesome. Um, you touched on, I, I know this because I know a little bit um, about your, your uh, fandom, that you're a Laker fan. And obviously yeah. um, today I, I go for the Sixers. So it's convenient that we're uh, taking each other on today. Well. <laughs> um, what is um, something that you think the coaches at the highest level, whether that's NBA, WNBA, um, college basketball, who is obviously a high level in terms of coaching. Um, what do you think some of the things that the best coaches at that level do that are also the same as the best things that the community coaches do? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. Um, the first thing, in, in my opinion, is making sure that you are able to shape the players as people um, as well as players. The best coaches that I had actually cared about me as a human. Um, and it wasn't all about the scoring. It wasn't all about the performance. Um, and I, I feel like those are the ones, regardless of pro level or anything, if you care about me as a person, I'm going to play my heart out for you. And you see a lot of teams where they don't buy in. They don't buy into the coach's plan because they're like, you know, I don't, he's just going to make me run later. He yells at me. She talks bad about me. She doesn't really care. But if the coach really cares, then the team wants to play and win for that coach. I remember when I was in high school, we won the first city championship for my high school coach. He was there coaching for about almost 15 years before we won. And we all rallied together and we wanted to win that for him. Like, it's cool that we have that accolade too, but that's on his resume as well. And um, Duke actually played over the weekend and they beat Michigan State, which I had Michigan State winning, but that's beside the point. But Coach K, famous coach, this is his last season. Um, every game they're saying, well, this could be your last game. Um, and it went down to the wire. And he said in the press conference, he said, I'm so proud of this team and I'm so proud to be their coach. And you just see the players, you know, they're, they're hooked on every word he's saying. They're, they're tearing up. And he said, you know, the last two minutes wasn't anything about me. It wasn't X's and O's. It wasn't anything I drew up. It was the heart of the players. And the players did not want that to be their coach's last game. They wanted to continue to play for him. They wanted to continue to um, put their best put, foot forward for their coach. And I think, you know, it's not just any regular rinky-dink college. It's Duke basketball. They wanted to play for their coach. And I think that goes on for the Lakers, for any other big NBA and WNBA team. The coach putting them as people first, they will want to play for them. Um, like that's, that's the emotion behind that is something that's, that comes out from all levels of basketball and some of the stuff that you and your um, co-host Haley have done at Spinsters kind of takes it almost beyond that so beyond the court you're in the you're in the, the streets 
to, to use a term and you're in the stands mm -hmm. and you go back in history, I encourage anyone um, listening to uh, look through the, the Spinster's Archive from this week where you talk about the actual origins of women's basketball as well, yeah. which was fascinating. So you've done some incredible stories on, on women, on race, on culture. Why do you think basketball attracts such a diverse group of people? And who are some of the, the your favorite volunteers that you've met in your um, experiences? Hmm. I think just, you know, especially with sports, when you have a passion for something, if we don't speak the same language, if we are not in the same, you know, race or social class, but we have this thing that we love and we have that in common, um, that is the most beautiful thing of sport, that we all come together from all different corners of, you know, our history and where we come from to play this sport that we love. And that is such a joy to me. And, and basketball in particular, I think because it has a low entry, a low entry access point for basketball. And, um, you know, we talk about other sports like tennis, where sometimes you have to be a part of a country club, you have to pay for these very expensive, you know, rackets and shoes and, and tennis balls are expensive. And like, there's a high cost and high, high level of entry to that sport. So sometimes it's not as accessible for lower income people or, you know, certain races or certain genders, but for basketball, there's a basketball court almost everywhere and you just have to find a ball. And if you don't have a basketball court, there's a basket, a crate that you can make. Um, I went to the Philippines in 2014 for a missions trip and it was a basketball missions trip. And if you've never been to the Philippines, they love their basketball. And my eyes were open for how many people were playing barefoot in the street, um, making their own hoops out of wire and wood basketball, you know, a backboard. And it's basketball. Like we're all talking about the same sport. We all play it. It's the same rules. We all love it. We don't speak the same language, but I know my jump shot translates from any language from English to anything. And that's what I love. I think that is so much fun um, that it is a, um, anybody can play basketball and you don't have to be great. You don't have to have a play in an arena. You can play on the street. If you can hoop, you can hoop and we can all hoop together. So I love that. I love that. Um, and some of my favorite volunteers that I've come across, um, one in particular, her name is San Dixon. And um, I met her while I play out here in LA basketball In the women's basketball scene in LA. It's amazing. There are so many really talented players. Um, and I played in different leagues like the women's drew or a league called basketball beauties. And I met San and she particularly focuses on kids and their development. And she just has a heart for the game that, you know, she could have been bitter when an injury, you know, completely took her career out at San Diego state 
She could have said, you know what? I was supposed to be this type of player. I was supposed to be this and this. But she gives her time to developing kids and other women, having women only events, women only runs and puts her time back into the game. And it's like a paying it forward, how much the game has gave her. She's continually giving back to the game. And it's amazing to see. And anytime she asks me to do anything, I'm like, yes, because I love your heart for the game and I'm with you. So shout out to San. That's awesome. That's <laughs> I, I think there'll, there'll be people like that all over the world as well. And there'll be people that um, in Australia are thinking, well, I, I could do that. And yeah, at Basketball Australia, we encourage you to do that as well. And basketball is the is one of the world's game, and we're lucky enough that in September we'll have the Women's World Cup here mm -hmm. in Sydney, thankfully, with borders open and people able to travel and things like that. So from the, um, from the American point of view, you guys are obviously red hot favorites to um to take that out so a couple of questions do you reckon it's a uh, a dream team style scenario where everyone else will be playing for silver or do you, do you think there's a, a bit closer than that and who are some of the names that the um fans here that are going along should look out for yeah, I'm completely biased. I'm sorry. It's it's USA all day. We're definitely going to take that gold. Everyone else is playing for second. But honestly, I think Australia would. I think we're going to have a rematch of the last World Cup where it was Australia and USA. Liz Cambage is one of my favorite players, and she was she took the scoring title for the last World Cup. So is going to be in her hometown, in her home area. She's probably most definitely going to show out. So I know I'm going to be rooting for her, but mostly rooting for USA. Um, I don't see anyone beating us with the every type of, you know, the Olympics, World Cup, even the W. They're all dream teams. Like they're all super teams every single one it is the best women in the world um that play for all these different teams and sometimes it, it's not fair but it's fun to see super team against super team um I think you know we gotta look out for Brianna Stewart we'll see I wonder if Sue Bird is gonna play in her last world cup since she said this is her last W season um, and also for W fans, the season actually got moved up so they could make room for the World Cup. And so the players would not have to leave the W season to, you know, they wouldn't have to choose. They're basically going to finish the WNBA season, then go play in the World Cup. So they're going to be fresh. Momentum is going to still be going from the W season. I think it's like a freight train. You can't you can't stop us. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we'll see. And um, yeah, obviously you guys will be doing plenty of, of coverage of that as well. So look forward yeah. to you guys learning a bit more about Australia while you're doing that. Um, last question, Jordan, and I've asked this to every guest that we've had on the podcast. So this can be with us or departed. It can be in basketball or another sport. Who's one coach you would like to ask a question to and what would it be? Mm. You know, I thought about this one and I was thinking of 
you know, famous coaches, but I actually came back to my dad who not only was my coach, but coach football for a very long time. He played football at the college level and coached in high school and, um, very pivotal time. He, he did like Parp Warner coaches, but he was like a freshman high school football coach. <laughs> That's just like, it's a lot of players and a very pivotal time for a lot of these young men's life. And we can't go anywhere. I'm from Sacramento. We can't go anywhere in the city without somebody saying, coach Liggins, coach Liggins, how are you? How are you? And now they're older. They have their own families. They're coaches now. And I think that is so powerful that they probably do not remember what their record was in that season that they were coached by my dad, but they still remember my dad and the impact that he had on, on them. A lot of them, you know, he was their coach, but he was also their father figure. And for me, he was actually my father. So we were able to uh, make that separation work of coach and dad and so my question to him would probably be a two-parter. And I don't know if I've really asked this because one day me and my fiance talk about like, we want to coach our kids and we want to be coaches. We want to be those volunteer parents. Um, how was he able to separate being dad and being coach? When were those lines blurred when like I was hurt or something and you just turn into dad and like change into a Superman cape or something or when I was like the basketball player and you needed to coach me on a certain thing and then also for when he was a high school coach like what were those things that you made as you know your mission statement or pillars in your coaching for them to grow as young men regardless of if any none of them went to the NFL none of them you know they just really loved being or having him as a coach so I think those would be the two questions that I would ask him and I'm totally biased again he is my favorite coach <laughs> those are those are some awesome questions Jordan ones that I think is, at least in my role at Basketball Australia I've definitely thought how can I help um coaches primarily we reckon about 75 percent of our coaches um at this level at least are all parents and it, it's mm -hmm. definitely as a challenge and I fit into that category with my own son and yeah the the first part about your dad getting recognized in the street it just reminded me of the the old kind of uh, motivational quote of people don't remember what you say or what you do but they remember how you you made them feel kind yes. of thing which is um I think uh, it's a role that teachers fill. It's a role that, mm -hmm. that coaches probably a lot of times don't think that they fill, but the, the impact and the legacy that a good coach can leave is probably right up there with whoever your grade school teacher was or your, your favorite high school teacher. So um, Jordan, thank you so much for your time this morning. Can you let everyone know where um, they can um, follow you and, and listen to you um, talk more about basketball and and basketball adjacent topics yes yes make sure to subscribe to the spencer's podcast wherever you get your podcasts um you can follow me on instagram at jordan liggins and on twitter at underscore jordan liggins that's awesome thank you so much for your time jordan and um 
good luck for the um, for the rest of the NBA and the upcoming WNBA season. Thank you so much.